0: Welcome to Step Up to the Microphone. It's a great day to be alive. Well, here it is. It's our Keep It Simple episode of the week. We're going to be reading from Nehemiah chapters 3 and 4. If we get up to it, we'll go to 5 too. We'll see. We'll see how the Holy Spirit wants to play this one out. But yeah, it's Keep It Simple. we got to remember to keep our biblical reading simple. Keep our thoughts simple we tend to overcomplicate things, and make them way too difficult when there's normally a simple solution, a simple thought process. So that's the whole plan on this. I'm Gonna keep it simple. Now normally I do some news before we get into this, but you know what? I think we've had enough news for the week other than the Arizona, Maricopa County going on. There really isn't much to look at today. And I wanna hold that off until it's complete, because I think it's going to be a complete bombshell and a complete game changer on how this country goes forward. So let's get on into this. So yes, we are in Nehemiah chapter 3. It's talking about rebuilding the walls and the fish gate and all that great stuff. So, the high priest, Sheb and his fellow priests began rebuilding the sheep gate. They dedicated it and installed the doors. After building the wall of the tower of the hundred and the tower of the Henanel, they dedicated it. The men of Jericho built next to Elishabib and next to them, Zachor son of Imri, built. So they went and dedicated these. That's a very important thing. I mean, you like dedicating your children you like dedicating your churches, they dedicated these walls. It's very smart to dedicate to the Lord. Very important. Now the sheep gate was very important. Here's some information that they've got here on the Blue Letter Bible app. Check it out. Um, This gate is supposed to have immediately communicated with the temple and to have been called the sheep gate because the sheep intended for sacrifice passed through it. But after all which learned, men have written on this subject, which is but of little interest, we scarcely know anything about these gates, what they were, why called by these names, or what part of the wall they were situated, beyond what may be learned from the parallel passages of Nehemiah 12.39 and John 5.2. So, we'll be in Nehemiah later on, but yeah, let's check out John 5.2 and see what it says. And John 5 2 reads and now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool which is called in Hebrew Bethsaida having five porches so Bethsaida is the Hebrew name of it or the, the pool that's there but it's mentioned there that that was the Sheep Gate was still there so now we'll get back into the passage the sons of Hassanah built the fish gate, they built it with beams and installed its doors, bolts, and bars. Next to them Meramoth, son of Uriah, son of Hak- Hakaz, made repairs. Beside them Meshulam, son of Barakshiah, son of Mes- Meshezabel, made repairs. Next to them Zadok, son of Bana, made more made repairs. Beside them, the Tekawites made repairs, but their nobles did not lift a finger to help their supervisors. Alright, so let's continue here. Joida, son of Paseah, and Meshalam, son of Besida, repaired the old gate. They built it with beams and installed its doors, bolts, and bars. The bars, that's like their locking mechanism. Next to the repairs were done... By Melatiah Mil- the Gibeonite, Jadon, the Mer- Meronothite, and the men of Gibeon, and Mizpah, who were under the authority of the governor of the region west of the Euphrates river. After him, Uzziel, son of Hirhiah, the goldsmith, made repairs, and next to him, Hananiah, son of the perfumer, made repairs. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, Raphaah, son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs. After them, Jedidiah, son of Haramoth, made repairs across from his house. Next to them Matush, son of Hashabniah, made repairs. Matajah, son of Haram and Hashub, son of Pithomob, Moab, made repairs to another section as well, as to the tower of the ovens which that would be where they would most likely be making the bread or there were ovens in the areas. what I'm getting from the historical references beside them beside him Shalom son of Haloshesh ruler of half the district of Jerusalem out of Paris he and his daughters so as you see they had tons of people working on this wall making their city secure much like we need to be doing with our country we need to be making it secure to keep it from attack. So let's continue. The valley gate, the dung gate, and the fountain gate. Hanan and the inhabitants of Zanoah repaired the valley gate. They rebuilt it and installed its doors, bolts, and bars. Repaired 500 yards of the wall to the dung gate. Mahshishah, son of Richab, ruler of the district of Beth Hekasham, repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt it and installed its doors, bolts, and bars. Shalon son of Kolhazeh, ruler of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. He rebuilt it and roofed it, then he installed its doors, bolts, and bars. He also made repairs to the wall of the pool of Shelah near the king's garden, as far as the stairs that descend from the city of David. After him, Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, ruler of half the district of Zur made repairs up to the point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool in the house of the warriors. Next to him, the Levites made repairs under the Re- Rehum son of Bani. Beside him, Heshabiah, ruler of half the district of Kileah made repairs for his district. After him, their fellow Levites made repairs under Benui, son of Henadad, ruler of half the district of Kilah. Next to him, Ezer, son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, made repairs to another section opposite the ascent to the armory of the angle at the angle so you see they had a bunch of people working on this and all this came from king darius giving the word to nehemiah to do this after him burak son of zabai diligently repaired another section from the angle to the door of the house of the high priest Eliashib. B- beside him Meramoth son of Uriah son of Hekaz, made repairs to another section from the door to Elishib's house to the end of his house. Next to him the priests from the surrounding area made repairs. After them Benjamin and made repairs opposite their house. Beside them Azariah son of Messiah son of Ananiah made repairs beside his house. After him Benui son of Hinadad made repairs to another section from the house of Azariah to the angle and the corner. Palau, son of Uzziah, made repairs opposite the angle and tower that juts out from the king's upper palace by the courtyard of the guard. Beside him, Padaiah, son of Parash. And the temple servants living in Ophel made repairs opposite the water gate toward the east and the tower that juts out. Next to him, the Tekoites made repairs to another section from a point opposite the great tower that juts out as far as the wall of Ophel. Each of the priests made repairs above the horse gate, each opposite his own house. After them Zadok son of Amur made repairs opposite his house, and beside him Shemiah son of Shekaniah, guard of the east gate, made repairs. Next to him Hananiah son of Shelemiah, and Hunan, the sixth son of Zeloth, made repairs to another section. After them Meshelam son of Barakiah made repairs opposite his room. Next to him, <coughs> Mashajah, one of the goldsmiths made repairs to the house of the temple servants and the merchants opposite the inspection gate and as far as the upstairs room on the corner. The goldsmiths and merchants made repairs between the upstairs room of, on the corner and the sheep gate. So they were making all these repairs to the gate. They were making repairs to the walls and everything. Do you see how important they took building walls around Jerusalem? They, It was a big deal. Just like our southern border is a big deal. We can't continue to let cartels and these immigrants come in because the next thing that's gonna come in would be like the Chinese military or the Russian military or, heck, I don't even know. Even countries from the Middle East could be coming in. I don't know. But it's not good to have an open border that has such high traffic the way it does without it being able to be inspected. Heck, we even need a wall across our northern border once this is done, I would think. But yes, you see how important they took this? It's very important to them. Very important to have these walls up. That's the end of Nehemiah 3, we'll get into Nehemiah 4. Now, Nehemiah 4 talks about the opposition from the Samaritans, actually the Samarians, and Others living in the area. So let's get into it. When Sambale heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious. He mocked the Jews before his colleagues and the powerful men of Samaria and said, What are these pathetic Jews doing? Can they restore it by themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they ever finish it? Can they bring these burnt stones back to life from the mounds of rubble? So he was pretty, pretty down on them. Y'all can't do this. Are y'all ever going to be able to make a sacrifice? Y'all are pathetic. That's what he was telling them. He was letting them know it was going to be an uphill battle for them to get this done. Then Tobiah the Ammonite who was beside him said, Indeed, even if a fox lined up what they are building, he would break down their stone wall. So they didn't even think they were doing a good job on the wall. But let's let's see what happens. Listen, our God, for we are despised. Make their insults or turn on their own heads and let them be taken as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their guilt or let their sin be erased from your sight, because they have angered the builders. Now remember, the Sumerians were the Israelites from the northern tribe. And most of them had already been taken away. Some of them had come back, obviously. But yeah, most of them had already been taken away. Samaria was their capital before. Do not cover their guilt or let their, their sin be erased from your sight, because they have angered the builders. So we rebuilt the wall until the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had the will to keep working. Doesn't that sound a lot like the people in our country wanting to keep working on our border wall, on our protection? Well, Let's get back into this. When Sabalah, Tobiah, and the Arabs, Ammonites, and Ashadites, or that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem was progressing, the gaps were being closed. They became furious. They knew that they could just come in and attack Jerusalem when they wanted to. They didn't have protection because of the walls. So, this is going to anger them. They thought, and you have to remember, they all think it's their holy city. They all fight over it. That's why this was so important. If the Jews were rebuilding the walls, they were going to keep the others out. They didn't want that. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw it into confusion. So we prayed to our God and station a guard because of them day and night. And listen to this. This is how bad the Arabs and Ammonites and the Sumerians had just egged on to the, the Jewish people doing this. In Judah it was said the strength of the laborer fails. Since there is so much rubble we will never be able to rebuild the wall our enemy said they won't realize it until we're among them and can kill them and stop the work they want to stop the work they first let's demoralize them then we'll kill them and stop the work that sounds a lot like what's going on in America right now let's demoralize the people then we'll stop all the progress they've made do you see how the patterns of the Bible repeat themselves in modern history Are you seeing these now? It's a pattern. It repeats itself. God has created everything in patterns. Let's continue on this. When the Jews who lived nearby arrived, they said to us time and again, everywhere you turn, they attack us. So I stationed people behind the lowest sections of the wall and at the vulnerable areas. I stationed them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. So he basically had a small army stationed at the wall just to stop the attack so they could continue with rebuilding the wall if you think about it what's been happening with us not not physically but mentally they've been attacking our mental walls every time we need to have we've been needing those strong warriors to help build our mental walls back up give us a little hope and a little a little oomph let's continue reading after I made an inspection, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the great and awe inspiring Lord and fight for your countrymen, your sons and daughters, your wives and homes. So he let them, he had to remind them, God will protect you. This is ordained by God. It will happen. Quit wimping out, quit being scared. God is going to make sure this gets taken care of. The devil's going to fight you and hit you hard, bust you up as much as he can to get you to stop. Look, tell the devil to shove it up where the sun don't shine. Because we're coming and we're going to build this wall. God has ordained it and we're going to do it. That's what Nehemiah was having to tell them. He was having to get them motivated. And he did. He did a good job of it. So let's continue because it gets interesting here interesting with it the plan that he uses. When our enemies heard that we knew their scheme and that God had frustrated it, every one of us returned to his own work on the wall. From that day on half my men did the work while the other half held spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers supported all the people of Judah who were rebuilding the wall. The laborers who carried the loads worked with one hand and held a weapon with the other. Each of the builders had his sword strapped around his waist while he was building. And the trumpeteer was beside him, beside me." So they were loaded for bear. They had their swords, they had their spears, they were ready to go if they were attacked. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, The work is enormous and spread out, and we are separated far from one another along the wall. Wherever you hear the trumpet sound, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So they had a plan. You hear the trumpet. Let's all go on the attack at that point where we see, hear the trumpet. So we continued the work while half the men were holding spears from daybreak until the stars came out. At that time I also said to the people that everyone and his servants spend the night inside Jerusalem so they can stand guard by night and work by day. So they were even afraid that they were going to have the wall destroyed at night. So they needed night guards. And it continues, And I, my brothers, my servants, and the men of the guard with me, never took off our clothes. Each carried his weapon even when washing. So, yeah, it was pretty dire times there to get the wall done. They ended up getting it done. But you see what they had to do? They had to be alert, they had to be on the ready. We're not on the alert or, or the ready. I mean, seriously. They tried stopping the Maricopa thing Friday. Luckily, they couldn't put up the money to do it. Otherwise, it would have been stopped. It's not going to be stopped. God has ordained that Arizona flips the whole thing on their heads. But yes, you have to be on the alert, just like the the Israelites from Judah were on the alert while rebuilding the wall under Nehemiah. Now, things get crazier in chapter 5 because we get into a topic that we're fighting with right now in America. Social injustice. And, you know, I'm going to put it this way. There's only one race in America. We need to quit being divided by color. Because color doesn't matter. We're all human. We all have souls. We all have a choice between right and wrong. Loving each other or hating each other. So we need to get over it. So let's get into chapter 5 right here about social injustice in in the book of Nehemiah. There was a widespread outcry from the people and their wives against their Jewish countrymen. Some were saying, we, our sons, and our daughters are numerous. Let us get grain so that we can eat and live. Others were saying, we are mortgaging our fields, vineyards, and homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying, we have borrowed money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. We and our children are just like our countrymen and their children. Yet we are subjecting our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters are already enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and vineyards belong to others. I became extremely extremely angry when I heard their outcry and these complaints. Doesn't that sound a lot like some of the stuff going on today about people complaining? About things not being fair? So let's continue with this. After seriously considering the matter, I accused the nobles and officials, saying to them, Each of you is charging his countrymen interest. So I called a large assembly against them. I said, we have done our best to buy back our Jewish countrymen who were sold to foreigners, but now you sell your own countrymen, and we have to buy them back. They remained silent and could not say a word. So, they were buying back Jewish people, the Jews and the Israelites that were sold into slavery. And I said, what are, you are doing isn't right, shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God and not invite the reproach of our foreign enemies? Even I, as well as my brothers and my servants, have been lending the money and grain. Please let us stop charges this interest charging this interest, return their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and houses to them immediately along with the percentage of the money grain new wine and fresh oil that you have been assessing them. So basically he was telling you, you're gonna follow the law of Jubilee or else. They responded, we will return these things and require nothing more from them. We will do as you say. So I summoned the priest and made everyone take an oath to do this. So he was enforcing Jubilee on them, which is something I pray gets enforced here, because that would be awesome. And Jubilee goes into the time of Moses, and every 49th and 50th year people's debts will be erased awesome thing I also shook the folds of my robe and said may God likewise shake from his house and property everyone who doesn't keep this promise may he be shaken out and have nothing the whole assembly said amen and they praised the Lord and the people did as they had promised so they went through with the Jubilee like they were supposed to God loves it when we follow his commands. Jubilee is a command that we're supposed to follow as believers in Christ. And if you actually follow history, you'll realize that a large population of America are the Israelites that migrated from the Assyrian captivity. They ended up in England and Scotland and America. But we aren't taught that. We're taught something completely different but yeah that's do your history research then go and look at what the Bible says um, amazing things and they line up exactly so let's continue with this with book of Nehemiah chapter 5 furthermore from the day of king Artaxerxes appointed me to be their governor in the land of Judah from the 20th year until his 32nd year 12 years I and my associates never ate from the food allotted to the governor. The governors who preceded me had heavenly burdened the people, taking from them food and wine as well as a pound of silver. Their subordinates also oppressed the people, but because of the fear of God, I didn't do this. So he didn't act like the people in the White House right now who oppress people. He did the right thing and let the people have what they were had worked for. So kudos to Nehemiah because that's how it should be. Instead, I devoted myself to the construction of this wall, and my subordinates were gathered there for the work. We didn't buy any land. As you can see, Nehemiah is actually a really good leader. So let's continue. There were 150 Jews and officials, as well as guests from the surrounding nations, at my table. Each day one ox, six choice sheep, and some fowl were prepared for me. An abundance of all kinds of wine was provided every ten days. But I didn't demand the food allotted to the governor, because the burden on the people was so heavy. So he didn't want all that food that was allotted to him. He said, give it to the people, let them have it. Remember me favorably, my God, for all that I have done for this people. So he's more worried about taking the burden off the people then taking the the things they would give you because you were the ruler you were over them that's leadership that's what we had for four years and we don't have that right now we have whiny crybabies that think they have to get their way right now we need leadership people that someone in power that demand respect and respects the people underneath them that's what's needed we don't have that we need it so badly so badly great leaders inspire people we don't have any inspiration right now most people don't even want to get up and go to work police officers really don't want to go to work because of this moron in office that attacks every time he can so yeah Nehemiah great leader took care of the people did the right thing, amazing. We need more people like him in our modern times. That would solve a whole bunch of issues. Of course, he was devoted to God. He had a moral compass. That's something we can't say about today. We don't have a moral compass. We have boys thinking they're girls and it's being taught in our school system. We also have other crazy things going on I mean seriously but Nehemiah was a great leader he got the wall built and we'll continue with Nehemiah again next week we'll start with chapter 6 and see how far we go from there because he did some great things he did some great things for the Jewish people you have to remember the Jewish people were the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin that lived in the country of Judah after Israel and Judah split So remember that whenever we say Jewish at this point in time, which they weren't Jews before Israel and Judah split. They were just Israelites or Hebrews They became Jews when Israel and Judah split. So remember that. That's when they became Jews. That's why I'm able to say confidently that more than likely you have Israelite blood in you if you're an American citizen and you came from Europe. And there's a great chance that you have Israelite blood in you if you came from West Africa. It's just God said he would scatter the Israelites throughout the nations. Heck, you could be Asian and have Israelite blood in you. Or Middle Eastern or Russian. He said they would be spread throughout the nations. And there's been proof that they've been finding that the Israelites were spread throughout the nations. So. Let's get into some good news, because we need to end this thing with some good news. I know the first chapter today was kind of boring. So let's end this thing with some good news, make it a great day for everybody, and just celebrate a little bit. So here's a good story. I'm not able to go to my usual good news network. For some reason they're having a problem with Cloud Fair today, so I found Sunny Skies. And this episode and this is Man Surprises Twins with every item on Christmas lift list after balloon travel six hundred miles. So you got two four year old twins from Kansas release balloons with their Christmas list attached for Santa. A man in Louisiana found one of them and honored the girl's wishes. Wasn't well, that sweet? Luna and Gianella's mother, Leticia Gonzalez, told Good Morning America she had no expectations that anyone would respond to the balloons. But when one of the balloons was discovered by Alan Bamberg in Grand Canyon, Louisiana, he took to social media to find out more. That's just sweet. That's just sweet. He opened it and it was a Christmas list. I just had to do something for them, Bamberg told Great Good Morning America. To hundreds of shares by families and friends... And strangers, Bamberg found Tisha Gonzalez. So that's that's so sweet. He got he purchased all the gifts on Luna's list with the exception of the puppy, and shipped them all to the Gonzalez household. But he didn't stop there. Bamberg and his wife bought a puppy for the twins and drove hours from Louisiana to Kansas to gift the dog to Luna and Gianella in person. That's just sweet. That is sweet. That's so nice. People caring about other people. It's adorable they put their their list for Christmas in a balloon, but he got it and he did something with it. Most people say, I ain't doing nothing with that. Screw that, I ain't doing that. So we still got some good people out there. I love seeing good people. And here's a touching one right here. Man honors late father with custom bowling ball incorporating ashes, scores perfect game. You know, parents are a big part of our life so this this is a touching story. Bowling was a family affair for the Hinkle family. Growing up John and Joe Hinkle remember late nights at bowling alleys with their parents. Their father was the one who introduced them to the sport and though he was good at it, his son John Hinkle became a two-time NCAA bowling champion and was even better than his dad. In 2016 John Sr. passed away and since then his son has been trying to find a way to honor his late father through the sport they both loved. So he went and had a bowling ball made. So that's sweet. Now John Hink won Peoria, Illinois still bowls, but this year he did something a little different. The thirty year nine year old bowls two handed, which is legal as long as there's no thumb hole on the bowling ball. So John had his father's ashes added into the thumb hole of his bowling ball, and then he took the ball to his league night. He went the extra mile. He you know parents are so important so important so that's sweet that he wanted to include his father who passed away in it that's all we got for tonight y'all y'all have a great day enjoy god bless and remember if you liked it hit that like button and subscribe